0: Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. I don't know about you, but right now in life, I sort of feel like butter spread across too much bread. I'm just running thin. Like I don't have much left to give at the end of the day. To where I'm just spreading myself out, whether it is I'm spreading myself out for my my work, friends family just the random stuff and I'm just spread too thin anybody else feel that way you just sort of feel like you have nothing left to give and you think if I just had more butter I just, if I just had more time, if I just had more this, if I just had more this, if I just had more money, if I just had more of resources, if I just had more. But what if it's not having about having more of that, but what if it's a matter of taking less bread? What if it's about doing less? You know, so much. So many times as we talk about parenting, we are doing so much in life. We have games and coaching and we have work and we have all these things. And what, what usually gets our best are not the ones we love the most, but it's the ones we really don't care about the most. Usually our work, our gym, whatever it is, it gets our best. And then our family gets the leftovers, isn't it? So today we are going to look at how can we as people, how can we as parents best love one another? How can we not spread ourselves so thin in things that don't matter and focus on the things that do? We're continuing our series on how to win at parenting. And over these last few weeks, we've been talking about love is patient. And, and um, the first week, we talked about how to win at our marriage. And, and some of you might think, but I don't have kids, or, or I'm not a parent, or I don't know if I'll ever be, or any of that. No, this is not just for parents. This is for grandparents. This is for future parents. This is for aunts and uncles. This is for youth leaders. This is for anybody who feels the burden, who feels the weight to help raise up and pour into and influence the next generation, which is every single person in this room. You may not know it, but you are influencing a young person. We have at, at our front door every Sunday morning during our 9 o'clock service, we have two ladies named um, Sandy and no, the, old, the older lady. I can't remember her name. And they may not know their influence of a smile. But let me tell you, their example of service influences the next generation. So as we continue this series, as we continue talking about how do we win at this, let's ask God to pour into us and help us be be the best people God is calling us to be. So that at the end of the day, we're not spread so thin, but we have so much left over. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this day. And God, I ask, Lord, that you would encourage us. Lord, so many of us, we're spread thin. It's it's been one of those years. It's been one of those months. It's been one of those weeks. It's been a day. So, Lord, I don't know where we're at. if, If some of us are still trying to get through what happened in 2020, if some of us are trying to figure out 2021, if some of us are just trying to figure out April 25th, 2021. Lord, I don't know. But, God, we're all in different places in our journey. And Lord, I ask that you'd meet us here in this room. God, that you would encourage us, strengthen us, and help us to walk this walk that you're calling us to. Lord, I ask that you would just not just move here at City View, Lord, but you'd move at churches all over the valley, Lord, your people who are at Dream City, Lord, your people who are at, at Desert, Desert Breeze, Lord, your people who are over at, at Mountain Ridge, your people who are over at CCV or Calvary Phoenix, and God, us here at City View. Lord, bless your people wherever they find themselves this morning. And Lord, bless us in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Well, hey, hello and welcome to City View Church. My name is Jeremiah. I get to be the lead pastor here at City View and I love it. And I can't wait to share with you all the pain that I've gone through as a parent and how much I've stunk in everything I'm about to teach you or share with you today. Because everything I'm teaching and sharing with you out of... 1 Corinthians chapter 13, do not come from victories, they come from my losses. They don't come from how great I am as a dad, how great I am as a husband, but they come from a place of my failure to your ears. Because that's the reality. That's the reality. And so as we've been going through the series, we've been looking at 1 Corinthians as our our 1 Corinthians 13 is sort of our base. Like, what does winning at parenting look like? And we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 7 today. And I'm going to be reading out of the New Living, this not the New Living, the NIV this morning. um, Because I really like how the NIV uses certain words. It helps define words so that I don't have to define them later. So it's just going to make it a little simpler. So here's what Paul writes. Paul writes, Love is patient. That's where we sat last week. We talked about patient love as as a person. Um, So if you missed last week, download the podcast, watch on YouTube, watch on Facebook, but go back and watch last week on how to win at patience, and then watch the week before about how to win at your marriage. Paul starts, Love is patient. That alone sounds impossible. I don't know how many of you struggle with patience. That's I struggle with it. It's, it's not easy for me. I'm always in a rush. I'm always in a hurry. I'm always got somewhere to go, something to do. I just do. I, I it just, it's just a real struggle. But love is patient. And then Paul says, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. That it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs done. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, love always perseveres. So the first thing we're looking at today is love is love. You see, we, we might think love is kind, like love is being nice, love is being gentle, love is just loving people, love is that kind of love, love is kind. That, that's not the kind of love that Paul is really talking about here. But this idea of love, this definition, this meaning of love, is, it's kindness is loaning someone your strength rather than reminding them of their weakness. Now, I'm going to help you understand this a bit. Here, here, here's what we've got to understand. Your children already know where and when they failed. They don't need us to remind them. And how many times do we do that? I do it. When they make a mistake, how many times do we say, you know what you did? And then they, they go, yeah. And then, and then what do we do? We proceed to go into what they did wrong. And we proceed to define and go deeper and deeper into it. And then they just feel beat up afterwards. Any of us ever do that as a parent? I do. It's okay if you're like, and if you lived in a home like that, you're like, yeah, I did that. It's okay. I'm I'm working through not doing that. And if your parents are sitting next to you, don't nudge them if they're failing in any of these areas. No nudging. No high school students nuggeting their parents. We all fail. I fail hardcore. This week was a rough week. But you see, so many times what we do is is we remind our kids and our words, we constantly use our words to help remind them of how they failed, how they didn't match up. Now, parents, you've got to understand, moms, your words weigh 100 pounds. When you're speaking to your kids and you're encouraging and helping them walk this walk and, and live this life, your words weigh 100 pounds. Dads, your words weigh 500 pounds. I don't know why, that's just the reality. Your words weigh so much, Dad's. So when you give an encouragement, when you tell them how good they've done, when you don't hold anything back on, when you, when you don't add, say, hey, you did a great job, but you could have done this. When you say just great job, and you, you are loaning them your strength, being kind to them. That helps them win. Loan your children your strength. Let the world remind them of their weakness let the world remind them of their shortcomings like you every day our kids wake up wondering if they measure up like you our kids now i'm not talking about like a four-year-old i'm talking about your kids once they can really comprehend they're in elementary school and high school your kids understand that they're waking up going am i going to make it am i going to be okay are my friends going to like me What are people going to think of what I'm wearing? The same pressures, they might look a little different, but the same pressures you are under every single day are the same pressure your kids wake up with every day. They just need to know somebody's on their team. That's what our kids need. They need to know we're there to cheer them on, to help them win. Every day the world that we live in makes them doubt themselves, makes them feel like they're a failure, makes them feel like they will never have have enough. You, you as the parent, find a way to side with them, not against them. Find a way to loan them your strength. Now, what does this look like to be kind? So when I was a, a, a junior in high school, I had just gotten my driver's license, and I was driving my parents, I believe it was a 1988 Mercury Sable, maroon, maroon. it was a four-door four door Mercury Sable, and I had just gone to Ed DeBevick's, I don't know how many of you remember Ed DeBevick's. I was at Ed DeBevick's, and I'm on, I was at a youth event. So all of us, I'm a high school student, and all of us, were. why we're down there? That's not even a safe part of town to do a youth event. What in the world is my youth pastor thinking? Um, but either way, we're down there, and I have a whole crew of cars because I'm one of the only students that can drive. So I've got a car of, well, it had a bench seat. So there's six of us in this Mercury Sable, and I'm taking everybody home. And I'm coming down the freeway at a speed that is not exactly the speed limit. And I am gunning it because I'm running late. Because my parents had a rule. You have to be home on time. On time. If you're not, I won't get to go to youth group next week. Now, let me tell you, I wanted to be home on time. So I'm racing. I'm already late. I'm racing home. I'm hitting. I don't even know. I know the car could go over 120 I can't tell you how I know that, but I think the speedometer said that, and I, pe- I pegged it a few times. I'm running home, racing. I get off the freeway at I-17 in Thunderbird. You know that curve? And I gun right down, and all of a sudden, I see the lights behind me. So at that park at about 23rd Avenue in CAC, uh, Thunderbird, I pull over. Police officer has this big old beam light shined in my 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 mirrors, has this flashlight shining, because I'm, I'm, I don't, I. I'm speeding. I think I was going 75. Um, don't judge me, sinners. <laughs> the police officer comes up to my window. I roll my window down. I've never been pulled over before, okay? I've never even seen my parents pull over before. Roll down the window. My friend Jake in the back seat says, Jeremiah, give him a donut. Maybe he'll go away. This, I'm not, this is not a joke. This is debt. I will never forget this in my life. Never. He said he was that kind of kid. If you remember those kids that just didn't care, had no respect for authority, and you, you know, that happened. So immediately the police officer, I was ready. I'm nice. I'm a nice guy. He goes, sir, you need to step out of the car. I'm like, oh, crap. Come to the back car with me. I'm like, oh, my God. What is like, I'm scared. So I go home. <clears throat> I get a ticket. I wonder if he would have written me off if Jake wouldn't have said give him a donut. <sighs> you got to love those friends. He's not even really a friend. Um, he was just a kid I was giving a ride home, punk freshman. Um, I go home. and I said, "Dad, I said I got a ticket." He said, "Oh yeah?" I said. He said, "What are you going to do?" Now, here's here's how you loan your kid strength. He said, "What are you going to do?" I said, "I don't know." He goes, "We'll read it." Now, here's how you don't show your kid kindness. Dad, I got a ticket. Dad says, give it to me. We're going to fight this, son. I'm going to take care of it for you. That's not being kind. That's thinking your kid is weak. That's teaching your kid not to handle life. That's not loaning your kid your strength. And so many times as parents... That's what we are doing in this culture. We're saying, I'm going to take care of this for you. You are innocent. You didn't do anything wrong. And you are not doing your kid any favors. You're setting themselves up for failure later on. So you know what my dad did? My dad said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. What do I do? He goes, I don't know. Read it. True story. I read it. I go, well, I got to call this emergency. Yeah, you do. Call it. I had to go to court. I don't know why I had to go to court. I don't know if I was going too fast. I don't know if you always go to court the first time you get a ticket when you're 16 years old or if that was something or the, I just got, my dad made me. I really have no idea. All I know is I had to go to court and guess what? My dad went with me. He was never mad. He wasn't happy. So guess what happens when Judah gets his first start with him, when he gets his first speeding ticket? The same Thing. Because we want to loan our kids our strength. Loan them our strength. That's being kind. That's love is kind. That's what that looks like. Love is kind. And then Paul says, love does not envy. Love does not boast or brag. And love is not arrogant." Here's what these three statements mean. If you were to sum them up in one statement, it means love allows the other person to shine. Love allows the other person to shine. That's what that means. It means love celebrates. And here's what so many times gets in the way of us celebrating with our kids or celebrating with our friends or celebrating with those. So many times what gets in the way is that we feel like we're losing at life. And when we feel like we're losing, we feel like we need to make everybody else lose around us. How many of you have ever experienced that before? Other people feel like they're losing, so you have a great day, and what do they do? They say, oh, well, I'm sorry. I need you to go and do this. They ignore it. Or they say, hey, you know what? But you could have done this better. Hey, you could have done this different. You could have, you could have, could have, could have, could have, could have. And all of a sudden, we go into this rabbit trail. We go into this, this thing where we belittle the very winning of somebody else, what they did. And, and, but love doesn't do that. Love allows them to shine. If you don't feel good about yourself, it's hard to help others feel good about themselves. And if this is you, when you're having a hard time celebrating their successes without pointing out things like this, Hey, look at this, I got a 90 on my test. Could you have done better? Should you have done better? Should you consider this next time? If in that moment, instead of celebrating them, you go into coaching mode, that's not love. I fail at this. It's hard, but I can tell you, studying for this series has, and you can probably ask my kids, I don't know if they've noticed, they've probably noticed my failures more than my successes, because whatever. Um, But I, as I've been studying for this series, I have seen how much I've failed, but also how much I can change. Because failure is not bad, as long as you learn from it. And I want to learn, so I'm looking at this, and so I'm going, okay, I, don't, I want to celebrate my kids. I don't want to go into coaching mode. I want to celebrate their success. And now, so many times, this, this, this comes with our wording. Remember, moms and dads, you, moms, your words weigh 100 pounds. Dad, your words weigh five 500 pounds. You, you, and some of you dads, maybe now that you're thinking about it, you're going, that's true. And this love does not brag, and love is not boastful, and love is not arrogant, and love is not envy. Th- this goes into what something that is in so many homes called sarcasm. That teasing that we do, that really should only be done, if at all, with friends, but never as parents. Because here's what happens at the end of that sarcasm, at the end of those statements, somebody wins. And dads, you will never lose. You will never lose. The goal in parenting is not to win, the goal in parenting is a race to the back of the line. It's not to brag about yourself, but it's to brag about your kids. It's to, it's to let your kids brag about themselves and let them tell about the great things, the, the 80% that they got, and they're happy with an 80%. And you're like, oh, an 80%? That's 20% away from 100 Yeah, but if an 80% is a, cel- is a celebration to them, celebrate with them. The world has already told them they missed out on the 20%. The world's already told them that. Everybody in their class that got 100%. Everybody in the class, let me tell you, I have three kids, I have three boys, two of them. If they came home with an 80% on the spelling test, I would be ecstatic because I know they worked hard. My youngest son, if he comes home with anything less than 100%, I don't put this pressure on him. He puts it on himself. He's bummed in himself. The world's already telling you, telling our kids that they messed up. Our job is to lift them up and love them in the place that they are. Remember, your words weigh too much, too much. Once you say it, it's done. Make it worth it. So Paul says, love is kind. He says, love does not envy, love does not brag, love is not arrogant. And Then he says, love does not dishonor. So what does that mean? It means love honors. Honor is superior to obedience. If you are parenting for obedience, then you are selling your kids short. I'm sure many of us, we grew up in a home where obedience was the most important thing. Who grew up in a home where obedience was the top priority? It is the most important thing. And maybe some of you parents, you're parenting for obedience. You want your kids to be obedient. And so you might have, your kid, tell me if you've ever seen this or you've done this. Your kid has their dirty cup on the ground. And you're like, go and pick up that cup. And they're in the middle of their video game. And they go and they obey you. They pick it up. But in their heart, they're not honoring you. In their heart, they're like, I'm leaving it on the ground right now. I'm picking it up because I'm going to obey you. But in my heart, I'm not picking it up. I'm kicking it. Who's ever done that in their heart? You see, so many times we are parenting for the lowest denominator. When we parent for obedience. When we parent just for our kids to look Perfect. But you see, when you parent for honor, when we are teaching our kids to honor, when we as people are honoring one another, when we love with honor, guess what that does? That puts the other person first. It's what Jesus did for us. He put us first. He honored us. He loved us. Jesus is an example. And I'm not saying you just let your kids disobey, but you know, if they're looking to honor you, then what's a byproduct of honoring? Obedience. Of wanting to show you love. That's what we do, right? When we honor, when I honor my wife, I don't obey her. When she's like, hey, honey, will you take out the trash? I'm like, like it's, I have to obey. It's not a bad matter of obeying my wife, but it's honoring. It's loving. Hey, can you help this? And whatever it is, as we team up and as we do things in our home together, I'm honoring. And so there's some things that have had to change in our home. Of like not shaking your head at your mom when she says something. And somebody's like, I'm like, okay, no, no, no. We had a serious family talk. We had a little family meeting this week. It wasn't a little. It was a big family meeting. Because I, the next three points, I'll get into my hot mess as a dad. But we had to talk and we say, okay, guys, we're, we're not doing this. I'm adding some new language into our home. We're going to honor one another. So when I talk, when, they are making, when they're being boys, you're like, that's just boys being boys. Yeah, but are we... Allowing things in our homes that shouldn't be. Honor is showing love. Honor is racing to the back of the line. Honor is loving other people like Jesus does. Imagine if we as a culture honored one another. We wouldn't have the hot mess we're in right now, would we? Culture would change if we honor. So much of the problems that we have is we, so many people think they're better than other people. They're better than others. Whether it's in your classroom, whether it's at work, and no matter where it is, it's this hot mess of what honoring is. But the reason why we don't parent for honor, we parent for obedience, is because parenting to obedience is easier. Because it's just a matter of go and do this and do what I say now. It's easier, isn't it? Parenting to honor? It takes time. I had to actually sit with my kids, and I'm going to have to do it a whole lot more, and be way more patient, and be way more loving. And the thing is, your kids don't hear you preach about it every Sunday. Mine do. So when I go home, I have to have real conversations. I'd have real talks this week with my son, all three of my sons. Be like, okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize a whole lot in my home. I don't know about you, but I do. Honoring takes time. Honoring means we have to pause and think of the other person. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says this, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Can you imagine a church like that? Can you imagine homes like this? Can you imagine a home where you honored, where it was this outdoing of honoring one another? Can you imagine that with me? Can you just picture a future like that, of honoring one another, where husbands and wives are honoring one another, where moms and dads were honoring one another, where where kids and and brothers and sisters and moms and dads were honoring kids, and all this was happening, and we taught our kids to honor other people in the workplaces, to honor other people in the cities, to honor. Imagine what that would do to a culture, because that's not what our culture teaches. Our culture does not teach honor. Our culture teaches, you go. Go and get yours first. Be to the front of the line and you get what you need. Imagine if we change that. Imagine if instead of these stupid mandates and these dumb edicts and all these things that our president and governors and all these people are making. Imagine if somebody said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this policy. We're going to take this idea that was found by this guy named Paul. And he said this, this is going to be the one mandate, this is going to be the one executive order I make. Love one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. And imagine if all of a sudden this was how every policy, everything was funded. How can we help people better love one another? What can we do in our cities cities to better show love? What can we do to better level up and to platform loving and honor? Can you imagine what that would do? You see, it can't start at that level. It starts in your home. It doesn't start. They tried doing that when we had Caesars and... And all, uh, all these other people back in Roman times where they made Christianity a rule. Where everybody, it tried doing that. Guess what? It didn't work. You want to know how it works? It worked when the Christian church in the book of Acts started to love one another. And guess what? It caught fire. And it became a movement that never stopped. And you're part of it today. Paul says, love and honor one another. Model it. Teach it. Expect it. This is something that I'm trying to do at home. Honor. And then Paul says, Love is not self seeking. Love is not easily angered or provoked. This word anger or provoked has the idea of have you ever seen those salad dressings that you have the oil on top and you have everything down at the bottom? You know what I'm talking about? And it's been separated. Provoking. Is when you shake up the mess on the bottom and you get it all mixed up. That's provoking. Provoking has the idea of taking a spoon and stirring up all the trash from the bottom. That's provoking. Provoking has the idea of poking a hornet's nest just to try to get your point out. How many times have we ever done this? I can tell you, I did it this week. My son came home and they were out riding their bikes with their friend. And he said, Dad, can can our friend stay over? Can he stay um, and hang out with us tonight? And I had had a rough day. I had a rough week. It was just, I was tired. Dad, can we? I said, no. Why? I, just because I don't want to. I'm tired. But dad, you won't even see us. We're just going to, and he's not arguing with me. We're not, like at this point, it's just a, and I'm like, no, I just don't want to. Now, in all reality, you want to know why? Because I was just being a butt. It had nothing to do with your, no, Jeremiah, you've got to stand your ground. You're the dad. they got to obey you. It had nothing to do with anything about me being a dad. It had everything to do with me just being grumpy and not putting my family first. And me being tired from all this and and me being me being spread too thin and putting other things more important. And then my kids getting my leftovers, and then my son getting me being a jerk afterwards. I provoked, I poked, and then guess what happened? We got into a fight. And then it wasn't cool. Because guess who wins those? Dad. Dad always wins. Because dad's big. And dad doesn't back down. Paul says, Jeremiah, love, it's not self-seeking. See, this is counterculture. This goes against everything we know and heard and believed and were taught. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love doesn't provoke. James chapter 4 verse 2 says, you lust and do not have so you commit murder. You are, you, are so, you are envious and you cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And the reason why we curl, quarrel and the reason why we poke and the reason why we do this is because we want something. We want our own way. Colossians chapter 3 verse 21 says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest. They be discouraged. We don't want to stir up and kindle up those things. We want to stir up kindness. And that comes by us leading with kindness. That comes by us leading with love. That comes by us leading with honor. When we lead by, by shining, letting somebody else shine, and you're like, Jeremiah, that is not what I was taught. I'm, I, we, so many times, we parent to what we don't want to be. Anything in life, if you parent to what's not, or if you want to do to what's not, you're setting yourselves up for the lowest rung possible. You want, to, you want to parent, you want to say something, you want to say, I want to be this, not I don't want to be this. You don't set a goal by, or a vision statement, or anything like going, okay, here's what I don't want to be. That's not what you said, That That's low. I want to be. I see this going forward. I see thriving families. I don't say, I don't want to have weak families. Like Our vision vision for City View is not, we don't want to have weak families. We don't want to not leave legacies. We don't want to be losers. That's not our vision. We want to have thriving lives, thriving families, leaving legacies. That's our heart. It says, love keeps no record. Love forgives and forgets. And I don't know how many of you in here are the forgetful kind, where you hurt somebody, you, 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 you maybe were hurt. Somebody hurt you, they said something, and they come up to you and they go, You know what? I'm so sorry. And you're like, For what? Well, last week I said, You know, you're a jerk, and I, I just didn't like what you said, and I didn't like how you acted in that meeting, and um, I'm sorry. And you go, I, I don't even remember that. How many of you have that memory? We just don't really remember things. You're like, Oh, okay. How many of you have the memory of, like, Hey, you really hurt my feelings when you told me I was fat, and I was ugly, and I was lazy, and all of this. And you're like, when did I do that? It was 1982. It was a Thursday night at 7.52 in the evening. I was, by our, our orange refri- or I was by our yellow refrigerator walking on our orange nasty carpet. Do you remember that? You're like, I remember the carpet, but I don't remember that statement. Well, I'll never forget it. Because I've been holding it in our marriage since then. How many of you have that memory? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Love forgives. Love keeps no record of a wrong done. That is applied in our parenting. So many times we can remember. And it's hard. Parenting, I wish there was a manual, I wish there was a book. And everybody got it when their kids were born. You get one for one kid. Because if you have multiple kids, they're all different. Not one kid is the same. My three boys are completely different than your kids. And some of you, you would have multiple manuals to read. Because none of our kids are the same. And then as they grow, they change. You might go, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not in chapter 7 of my 14-year-old's manual. Yeah, you need my chapter. Or it's like God's like, yeah, I didn't create a manual for your kid. Because they're all broken. Just like you. They need grace just like you they need love and forgiveness just like you i wish there was a manual but there's not the manual we have is god's word and god's word says you want to be the best parent possible for your kid love keeps no record you may think how in the world am i supposed to do that i don't know but god did it for us God led by example. Psalm chapter 103 verse 11 and 12 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions, our sins from us. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25, I am, I am he, meaning God, who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and i will not remember your sins god led by example this takes an effort you may still remember but you don't bring it up and you need to continue to ask god god help me to forget it's not easy i get it it's hard it's hard to forget when you have been hurt so bad and some of us we have a lot that we need to forgive people from god forgives now that doesn't mean you you everything they've done is right no there's consequences like when I got a speeding ticket guess what I couldn't say go to the judge and say I'm so sorry And he's like you know what I'm supposed to love love forgets your sins are washed away he's like I forgive you you have to go to school and pay your ticket what it's a consequence there's consequences doesn't mean, forgetting doesn't mean there's no consequences but love Love forgets. Love does not rejoice in winning. Love celebrates others. Love wants the best out of others. Love helps others win. Love is a race to the back of the line, not a race to the front. Love never desires to be first. Love always protects. Love keeps bad things out. If you want to win at parenting, if you want to win at marriage, if you want to win at life, these are great love handles for life can help us be the best men the best women the best people God has called us to be but here's the thing I want you to remember this you must remember this remember this there are no perfect people there are no perfect parents and believe it or not there are no perfect kids we all make mistakes we all mess up We all struggle. But if we are unwilling to offer grace, then why do we ask of God? We have to remember, and so many times we put so much pressure on ourselves, and I don't know if you're that kind of parent where you're putting this pressure on yourself, and you are like this piece of toast, and you're spread, and you're spread, and you're putting this pressure on yourself. Well, my kids have got to make principal's list, or whatever it's called in my son's school, and my kids have got to make sure they get into college, and my kids have got to do this, my kids. For who? For who? Who are they trying to do that for? For you or for them? Now, those things are not bad things. Those are good things. But if you're putting all this pressure and your kid comes home with a B and you're like, I failed as a parent. No, what if it's just a B. And we put this pressure and pressure and pressure and we're spread and we're spread. And then we always feel like we're losing. If that's you, you're in good company because that's me too. And the only thing that gets me through is the love of God. The only thing that gets me through every day is his grace and his mercy on my life every day because I mess up. I make mistakes. I wish I could have do-overs. I wish, I wish, I wish I could start all over again. My wife and I are both firstborn. My kids have two firstborns as a mom and a dad and we are a personality people. We have things our way and that's what we do. That's what my kids have. And I wish, I wish, I wish we could do it over, because what we did with our firstborn Judah, we were hard on him. We had so many rules, so many things. We were hard on Judah. Joel, we got a little more slack, but we were still hard on Joel. And then Ezra comes, and we're like, man, why were we so hard on everybody? So now they think, you like Ezra more? No, it's just like, we don't care as much about things. <laughs> we care as much about our kids, but we just are like, well, it just it's not a big deal, and it's not a big a deal, and then... And then if you have more than three, like it just gets easier and easier. But the last one, you're like, do you even know that they exist? Yeah, I do. I just love them all the same. And I realize, you know, and that's what we do. We mess up. But God's love for us is my example. It's what gets me through. God loves us first. If we are trying to do this on our own, we will fail. We will fall short. That's what we will do. We will continually fail and fall short if we try to do this life on our own. Because here's what happens. We come and we get filled up in life. Okay? We get filled up. And then we start pouring out. We pour out to our family. We pour out to our friends. We pour out to our work. And then so many of us are running on empty and we wonder why we're not patient. We wonder why we're not kind. We wonder why we provoke. We wonder why we point. We wonder why we're trying to brag about ourselves. We wonder why we're not winning. We wonder why we're so frustrated. It's because we're burned out. We're empty. We're empty. And we think that the only time to get filled up is on a Sunday morning. And so we get filled up. Like, oh, it feels so good. And how many of us, this is us. It feels so good. I'm full. I'm full. I'm full. And then we go and we pour out on Monday. We pour out on Tuesday. We pour out on Wednesday. And then by Wednesday night, we have nothing left to give. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because that is who He is. God is love. That, that everything in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 13, verses 4 through 8, love is patient, love is kind. That's God towards you. That is who he is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 defines God. It says in verse 9, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to this world to die on the cross so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, not that we have anything to give because we're empty vessels. I have another cup on the side that has holes and cracks in it. That's me. I'm broken. But God wants to fill us It says, in this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a propitiation, as a payment to die on a cross, to forgive our sins, beloved. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see, we are spending so much time trying to fill ourselves up and then pour into others and we run out and we are empty. And we do it in the way of service. We're like, I'm serving people, I'm serving people. And then we pour out, we pour out, we pour out. And then when somebody lets you down, you don't give them the same grace that was given to you because you're empty now. You've been pouring out. And so as is we're so tired, we're burned out, we're running on empty because we are not filled up. God never meant us to just pour out. What God wants from our life is he wants his love to be an overflow To all the lives around us not that we are pouring out but that we are overflowing with his love into all the lives that's love when God's love fills your heart and fills your life and then he's just overflowing into all the lives around you guess what burnout doesn't happen that way Loving, being patient and kind and all these things. When God is the one overflowing you and the Holy Spirit is the one leading you, you are just an outpouring of everything that you're full of. But the moment God's not pouring into you and the world starts pouring in, what starts overflowing? Your Anger, your temper, frustration, disappointment. When you're pouring in the things of the world, those overflow as well selfishness you see God says but I love you and he sends us out to love others and i know some of us in here we're running on empty and you need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit now in your life. You need a move of God because you're in this room going, Jeremiah, I am empty. I have nothing left to give. I, under, I know why I'm frustrated when I come home. I know why I have nothing left to give to my kids. I know because, Jeremiah, I'm empty. I need to be filled with the love of God. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. There's nothing wrong with coming to the realization that love, that you need to be filled with the love of God. There's nothing, I need that. This morning, the worship team, they're going to be singing a song all about the love of God today. And if you are in here going, I need, I need your fresh outpouring of your love, God, if that's you this morning. I ask that in your seat, close your eyes. I ask that you put your hands up. You don't have to put them up high. Just put them up and out. Palms up so that you're ready to receive and just say, God, I need a fresh outpouring of your love. And just say that now. Say it with me. Put your hands up say, God, I need a fresh outpouring of your love. God, fill me and overflow me with your love. as we sing, right now might be a moment where you just sit and listen and let God love you. Because you can't love others if His love isn't filling you first. You can't serve others. You can't be kind. You cannot be not boastful and not envious. You can't do that if God's love isn't filling you. Let Him fill you right now. Let Him love you. Let Him forgive you. Worship me. If you guys go ahead. Lord, as we receive from you, God, I ask that you would speak and encourage us. That you'd meet us now in this moment. Lord, for those of us who are empty, drained, tired, for those of us who listen to a sermon like this and we feel like failures, Lord, may we realize you love us. That you forgive us, that you forget, and God, I ask that you would fill us so that we might be an outpouring of you, Jesus. If you want to learn more about what's going on at CityView, download our CityView app through the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can find everything from special events, outreach opportunities, and additional resources. All in one centralized location. Links are in the description below. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.